What's going on, guys? Zane here with Everything Vibe. Want to welcome you back. I know it's been a long time, but I am here with Ronnie. Ronnie, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great. It's crazy. It's it's been a while, so I'm I'm really happy to be back and and happy to be uh, talking more more VR and vibe with you, Zane. Yes, it has. And so for all of those, uh, all of you guys who've been following along, uh, Ronnie and I just decided to take a a quick little summer break. Uh, our schedules were just super hectic. Um, uh, there was some traveling involved, some family coming into town, obviously the holiday over 4th of July. So we just figured, uh, you know, we just wanted to spend some time with the with the people. And I actually, the only VR stuff that I really got done during that time, Ronnie, was showing VR off to new people. So yeah, this, it's, no, it was, it's kind of been a, yeah, a mini vacation for me in that sense, but uh, it's been awesome getting back into it over the, the last couple of days. No, exactly. The same with me. I mean, it was it was one of those things like we probably would have made an announcement about it had we known it was going to be as long as it was. At first, it was just going to be a short hiatus, and then and then we we actually tried to 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 make our schedules work to where we would try to get an episode or two up, but it just didn't work out, and here we are. So, but I'm glad that you know we had a little bit of a break, and and given you know everything that was going like. I feel like it was it was a good time to take a break in terms of there were announcements, but at the same time there wasn't a ton of stuff going on as far as like new releases and and that sort of thing. So things seem like they're starting to pick up now again. So I think it's uh, it's good timing on our part, even though it wasn't necessarily intentional. Yeah, well, I mean, there's always going to be like new releases and things like that. But I think you brought up a good point. Uh, so in the future, if anything ever happens like this again we'll make sure to give you guys a heads up at least and you know as much as as much of a heads up as we can give uh like ronnie mentioned yep. you know we were we were texting back and forth but sometimes we weren't even available um so enough with that enough with, with excuses we're back <laughs> we want to talk vr we miss you guys so much and um yeah ronnie what do you say we just jump into it let's do it Cool. Okay. So first off, this is the first episode of July. So I know we, we barely did any episodes in June, but I want to go ahead and make sure that we don't forget all of you guys who've been leaving reviews and uh, sending us a screenshot. So the winner for this month is Zahid L. Uh, if you want to go ahead, we're going to shoot you an email. But for those of you who might be new or who haven't entered yet, uh, we do a $20 Steam gift card giveaway at the beginning of every month. And so uh, all you got to do, leave a review on iTunes. And I know we've had some questions about Stitcher. So if you are interested in posting on Stitcher, I'm just not as familiar with it. Shoot us a message. Uh, we're going to start replying to those to, to you guys as well. But uh, at least for, for all of you guys listening through iTunes, all you got to do is leave a review, send a, uh, send a screenshot to contact at everythingvibe.com, and um, we will enter you in. And we give one away every month. There's no expiration, so as soon as you enter, you're good. Um, and yeah, I think I think that covers it. Oh, we'll, we'll make sure there's, uh, there's details in the show notes. But did I miss anything, Ronnie? No, I think I think that's that's good. Just some house cleaning stuff. So yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so next up, let's uh, let's jump into news. And I, I feel like uh, before Ronnie and I got on the call, we just there were there's there's actually been quite a bit. So uh, but oh, yeah. we wanted to kind of refine that down into stuff that was maybe a little bit more vibe focused. Uh, I'm sorry, a little more vibe focused uh, and stuff that obviously caught our attention. So we're gonna we're gonna rip through a couple items here and uh, just kind of give our thoughts and. The first would be, I know, well, E3, this might be a little bit of a sore topic for you, Ronnie, but I know, unfortunately, some some circumstances <laughs> came up for you and you were not able to yeah. go. Um, yeah, which was a big bummer because, I mean, I had, I 
like I had all of my credentials and everything already figured out, had my pass, all of that stuff done. So I, you know, when I found out that I wasn't able to go uh, due to like, you know, conflicts with my schedule and whatnot, it was a big bummer. And then it didn't help that I kept getting emails from E3 for like the next two. I'm still getting emails <laughs> talking about they're talking just, about how great E3 was and they're just rubbing it know, in, man. All of that. So yeah, so so yeah, it was a bummer, but uh, but yeah, there's always next year and and yeah, I got to I got I got to at least you know watch all of the press conferences live uh, from here and and do some of that stuff. So that was cool. Gotcha. Well, uh, hopefully that's some type of consolation. But um, how about we talk about maybe the biggest the biggest item from E3, at least for the Vive. And um, I mean, obviously, people were expecting some type of announcement. And that was the the Fallout 4 trailer that was dropped. But um, I mean, this game looks pretty crazy. I, I, I'll be honest, I've actually never played Fallout 4 before. Have you? No. And, and actually, it was one of those things. I When it first came out, um, I was kind of waiting uh, just to see how it was, and, and a few things, and then, and then, kind of shortly thereafter, when I was starting to think I should probably pick it up and give it a shot, I eventually found out that it was probably coming to, to VR. So that's that's when I knew that I kind of decided, for better or worse, that I wanted to wait and experience the game for the first time in VR. Because, I mean, at least for me, I, I mean, I've played. Skyrim and Oblivion and some of those games. I haven't played uh, Fallout 3 or Fallout 4. And so I just figured if I was going to give it a shot, you know, just do it all new, brand new. And, and if, I, if I don't like it in VR, it is what it is. But hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll like it a lot and then it'll be a brand new experience for me. So that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm holding out for in terms of Fallout 4. Yeah, no, I, so I, I'm in the same mindset of you in terms of, it'll be great to, at least for me, obviously try this experience uh, with everything being brand new. And, and, you know, from the trailer, I mean, the world just looks gigantic. Uh, it yeah. seems like there's just a lot that you can do. And, you know, I'm, I apologize for my, my ignorance in terms of, of the game. I haven't been a console gamer for a little bit, but VR has, has definitely gotten me back into the space. And so, uh, I, I mean, w what are your thoughts on the trailer? How, like, uh, was there anything that popped out to you based on other previous games that you've played or things like that? Well, I, I mean, I, just in general, in terms of in terms of how it's being applied to VR, I just think I think it's 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 gonna work. Hopefully, the way you'd hope it would, in terms of you know the interface working through the Pip Boy, which is basically your kind of you know art like computer on your arm sort of thing in Fallout uh, in in the uh, in the in the traditional PC and console games. You know the Pip Boy's there, but it's just kind of a menu system that your character pulls up, and I think that would translate really well to VR. And it sounds and looks like they've done a really good job of that. So I still, I mean, until I get to play it for myself, I'm still not a hundred percent sure how I how I'll feel about moving around in the environments and all that sort of thing. But I mean, I I'm super excited about it, and I think. It'll be really cool. Like some of the other stuff that I'm just a little bit um, interested in is kind of how the, the dialogue trees will work and that sort of thing because those are all obviously big parts of, of, of uh, Bethesda games, Bethesda you know, RPGs, uh, talking to people and all that sort of thing. And that will be very different in VR compared to you know, kind of the, the 
camera snaps that happen on the traditional games where, yeah, you're in first person, but at any point when they want to get your attention, they can kind of just, you know, snap the camera onto those characters and let them talk. Well, here, it's going to be much more natural than that. So um, I'm, I'm just wondering what that all will exactly look like. Um, but I'm super excited. And I think right now, if you would have asked me two or three months ago, I would have told you, like, I, you know, was happy with my kind of short experiences in VR. And in some ways, that's kind of what I was preferring, um, just to be able to, you know, put on the headset, play for 30 minutes to an hour, take it off and just move on. But like, I don't know. Right now, for some reason, I'm just getting super excited about the idea of being able to play um, a fully fledged, you know, console, PC game, whatever you want to call it, you know, in VR and just letting myself be fully immersed in those universes. Like, I want to jump into a world that feels like it's endless and really feels like I'm, I'm in a place in VR. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. And I think that Fallout 4 is probably going to be the first uh, instance where we're really going to see how that plays out and what it feels like to be able to be lost in, in VR for hours on a time. Yeah, I, I, so I think that last point is what I'm I'm just as excited about because so we we've had games, um, you know, and I'll just name drop a few that that have come up, but like obviously Arizona Sunshine, uh, the Gallery, Call of Star Seed, uh, even Vanishing Realms. Like th- there was a sense of like this world that you would get to explore, but it was mm-hmm. also very narrative driven. So you know, the, mm-hmm. you kind of had to follow along. Um, with wherever the story was going. And my, at least mm-hmm. my understanding of Fallout 4 is like, it's it's going to be a little bit more freeform where you get to kind of do, I mean, obviously there's going to be a narrative and things that you need to do there, but uh, yeah, my understanding but no, is, is right. that the world of Fallout 4 is much, much bigger. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you were saying, it's a lot like like the other Bethesda RPGs and that, um, yeah, you can, you can follow a narrative that guides you through, you know, point by point kind of for people that need that kind of structure. But then... If you just want to go and, and do random quests and figure things out on your own, and you can certainly do that. And there's there's nothing holding you back from just exploring and doing your own thing. So, and I and I agree with you. There are, some, you know, the games you mentioned are great examples of worlds that you can get lost in now, but they are, you know, pretty narrowly focused and 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 I mean, this is this is going to be if this works, if Fallout Four works. I can't wait to see. I, I really feel like these types of games, if done right, could you know VR could be the best platform for them because because realistically, I mean that's kind of the goal of the game, right? Is to make you feel like you're in that world, that you're immersed, that you you know that it's you in that role rather than some random character, right? I mean that that's what those exactly, games kind of yeah. do best, and I and I feel like the natural extension of that type of gameplay would be to make that character actually you and for you to actually be in that world more physically than, you know, than, than just having to view it on a screen. So, I mean, there are still limitations. We all know what those limitations are. We know the resolution of the, of the headsets is a limitation. We know movement options can be a limitation, all that sort of stuff. UI stuff is still being figured out, but I mean, I think everybody would like all of those limitations to be minimized for those problems to be solved for us to finally feel like we are literally in the games that we play. Yeah. And I I think this is going to be a, hopefully a big step towards that. 
Yeah, and, and so just to kind of curtail like expectations, I, I feel like I feel like it's always necessary to remind people that we're still in Gen One. You know, this is yeah. this is. It, this is still a pioneering phase for many of the players involved, whether that's the hardware, software, or even just for us as, as consumers and users. Um, and, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make that. I, I don't feel like we should say that all the time, but it's just like, yeah, it's not going to be perfect. And I don't think that there should be that expectation that it's going to be perfect. But Agreed. I think like, like you mentioned, like as long as it's a step in the right direction and it's like, Oh man, like this is awesome. I cannot wait for more content like this. And knowing that exactly. you know, we could only be one or two years away from like achieving what we're, th- what, you know, what we're dreaming about in a sense, or like all those ideas where it's just like, who, kn- who knows what kind of new ideas like this will spur, whether they're original ideas or whether they're like perfect refinements for wherever there are, you know, shortcomings. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, just with the advancement yeah. and like the rapid speed of like development for VR and just, you know, on both the hardware and software side, I, I mean, this is, it's exciting to see a game like this hopefully push the boundaries. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and that's an important point to make. I mean, this is definitely just another step in that direction. It's certainly not not you know going to be the end game. It's not like Fallout Four and VR is going to be, you know, the holodeck experience finally or anything like that. It's just it's finally taking a game that we all know is huge and expansive, bringing that to VR, seeing what it's going to be like. I think for every every uh, every step it takes forward, there's going to be a few things that we see implemented that may not be perfect, and I and I think that's perfectly okay because. These are, you know, everyone's going to learn from a game like this being being put into VR. Whether that, whether that is, you know, things, better ways of, of addressing UI and and motion issues to game, like you know, game like the actual structure of the game, or whether this freeform type of gameplay is suitable for VR. I mean, all of these types of things will be will better understand after Fallout Four comes out. And people re- really get a chance to spend hours and hours in the game. So, so I think, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it on 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 numerous levels. Um, but I think regardless, we're gonna know, you know, quite a bit more about what games like this can really be like uh, once once it comes out. So, and wait, when is it? I think it was announced to be coming out in october right? yeah october so uh, october 4th and it's gonna be 60 bucks you can actually pre-order it on steam right now and i know that's probably uh, a sore topic for some folks who already own the game uh, i know i saw yep. some complaints there and i think the only other thing that um that was kind of it's it stuck out after somebody kind of pointed out but if you notice from the trailers uh the the controllers were just like the it was like mimicking the vive wand and so someone said for a game like that costs as much by a big studio like get some hands in there or get something get something better to to represent your hands in the in the space yeah. rather than so so my hope is that that was you know this trailer was just put together to have something for E3 and that they're still going to be working on that because i mean you know you go back to some some of the more uh, polished titles that came out uh, with with the Vive launch over a year ago at this point, uh, the gallery, for example, and that you know that that was so well done that you already had your hands in the space and it was easily you know easy to interact and use them. Um, so you yeah. know, I have a I have a counterpoint to that though, and that I, I noticed the same thing. And to be fair, when looking at a trailer, I mean, it is something that stood out to me. Like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that that looks a little odd, a little lazy, right? Like. You just see the the weapon just 
like you know yeah just, up there in space and it, it's it's just seemed like it wasn't fully finished but then the more i think about it i mean of course it's going to look strange in a trailer but ultimately what matters most is how it feels and when you're playing it i mean some games do it really well like some games it's more appropriate than others to be able to see your hands and and feel them and that to some degree because you're using the wand rather than like the Oculus touch controllers or, you know, eventually what might be coming out with, you know, these knuckle controller prototypes that Valve, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But, I mean, unless you really have hand, true hand controls and the, and the buttons that you're mapping actually um, work well with that type of a feature set, like, it may not, it, like, like I, I feel like give the developers a little bit more credit than that possibly. It's it's very much like it could very well be one of those situations where it just didn't make sense to put them in. It felt weird, or you know you're using a lot of those buttons that you'd normally be using on the on on the uh, on the Vive controller to you know grip and like if you think about games that have hands similar to you know like raw data and gallery and all the all these types of games you usually have dedicated buttons for gripping Mm -hmm. and for for some other and maybe in fallout since gripping and holding your weapon isn't really a mechanic that was native to those games maybe it just made a lot more sense to use the buttons on the vibe controller for other things that they needed to be there for like maybe maybe it didn't make sense to add in you know gripping your weapons because uh, that wasn't in Fallout 4 originally, and they needed those buttons or functionality or whatnot for other types of, of things that the game can already do. So, so I until I actually play it and I see how it feels to be in that world and how it feels to hold the guns and all of that, like I'm not too judgmental on those types of things. Just because, like I said, more important than anything is the feel. Like ultimately, how how realistic does it really feel at this point to see your hands in the games and all that stuff? Like some of them more so than others, but I still think that we're not fully there. Like there will be a time where we will fully expect our hands and possibly arms and rest of our body. Who knows how, to what degree we'll be expecting that because the fidelity will be there. But right now, I mean, everything is just such a, um, an approximation of really what, like, I think, on a game by game basis, it makes sense to like like think of think of a game like uh, like Rec Room, for example, or Smashbox. Uh, those those games don't really have you know don't have your bodies fully represented. They do kind of a minimalistic approach to well, that no, stuff. No, Sm- Smashbox does. Well, no, actually, yeah. both of them do have good representations. They, they have representations, but they're kind of minimized. Maybe those weren't the best examples. Maybe I, I, I should have. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I know what you're getting at. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like, okay, I, I know what you're getting at. And the thing is, I agree 100% that it, we shouldn't just judge it from the trailer. I think once we get in there, if things make yeah. sense and it feels good, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from a VR standpoint, then like then it doesn't even matter what was shown in the trailer or even what your hands look like or whatever. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stick to my guns and say that like, ultimately I feel like having hands in VR is going to be a more immersive experience, but yeah, I, yeah. I'll agree with you that like, we can't really make any type of judgment until the game comes out and we actually try it. So fair enough. Fair enough. 
So yeah, well, and again, like I said, that's just a small point that you know somebody. I think I might have seen it on Reddit or in the YouTube comments or something. And it was no, and it's like, a good point. It was like, I was like I huh, that. okay, yeah, yeah. Like when you said that, it was it brought me back to my first reaction from the trailer actually because I, I I did have a similar react like when I first saw it, I did I did remember thinking to myself, oh, that looks kind of goofy. Like I I would have expected it to look a little bit more polished than that. Like they've had a lot of time to work on this. But then but then when I actually thought about it, I was like, well, that stuff really isn't that important and more more important is how it feels and all of that stuff and and hopefully that's the type of stuff that they've been spending their time on is making sure that everything actually feels appropriate like it's not just ham-fisted and you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, again, we'll just have to wait and see. October can't come any sooner, so we got we got about three months. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so okay, well, we I wanted to rip through these items, and I feel like we're just let, let's let's not spend <laughs> too much on these, so we can get to game talk. Um, Understood. Well, you mentioned the the knuckle controller, so let's go there next. Uh, okay. And again, it's it's more so the fact that like there's a lot of content coming out now. People showing, you know, a lot of the developers showing their experiences with it. Um, so I, I mean. The, the quick rundown is that it's going to have, I, th- I believe, all five finger tracking. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I mean, we people are skeptical as to like the use in VR, but I mean, that doesn't even phase me anymore because it's just like, yeah, there's always going to be skeptics. And then you're going to have that one or two, you know, groups of people that figure out how to make it something awesome in VR. So, you know, I, I like the fact that the knuckle controllers are going to be expanding on that. They look yep. smaller. They look uh, like they fit your hands a little bit more naturally. Um, yeah. But I think the two things that stuck out, at least what what I came across, they used the trackpad. Uh, actually, no, sorry, this might be the only thing that that came across. They used the trackpad, and I, I actually don't mind the trackpad at all. And maybe maybe that comes from just being sheltered and only having a, a Vive, or only mm-hmm. using a Vive primarily. But maybe you can mm-hmm. shed more light on having a joystick for Oculus and how people yeah. who try both say that they prefer the joystick. I, I mean, I think I like the joystick better just because you have more granular control over it. Like, your thumb actually, like, kind of, you know, goes over the... You know, like, I mean, most people will be very familiar with what it feels like to be on a joystick, but the best way I can describe the difference between that and the pad is that you can more precisely move it with your thumb versus the pad, or the track pad, you're kind of, you know, just... Like, you have to think about it a little bit more in terms of what types of movements you're doing. Um, but, but I mean, I, yeah, I'm not that. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, it, I, I'm, that might just be nitpicky. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's always going to be a preference one way or the other for folks, but you yeah. know, at the end of the day, and, like, I mean, the vibe ones have served me well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say there are advantages to having a trackpad. Like, I think when done correctly, I mean, I still haven't seen a whole lot of examples of it that are done as well as what, you know, like, uh, what Valve can do, but I mean the best example is like just the demo, uh, like when you're doing Steam VR setup with the Vive, and you're able to use that trackpad as multiple buttons. I I always feel like that stuff is really well can be really really well done, and you can do more with the pad if done correctly than you could with just a stick. Like I I don't really like I like selecting things on the pad better than I do with a stick, but the stick feel so, so if the pad is, is more like multiple buttons or like, I I think the versatility of the pad is nice, 
but I feel like using a stick is a little bit more natural for movement. So actually that's, that's a good, just, that's a good point. It might really just be a functionality thing. Like what uh, the joystick obviously makes sense for movement, but in terms of, yeah. I haven't even thought about like the trackpad being something where you select uh, options from it. I mean, one of the most popular yeah. games that has that is space pirate trainer where you get to choose your weapons based exactly. on, you know, and, and, and it can be something where I think there's like six different weapons that you can have on there and you know you can really refine uh not not refine but like it's it's that granular where you can like go down and pick whichever one you want and the tracking is that good yeah so i i like that kind of thing better on the on the pad than i would and and there's also some things that you can do on a pad that are different than a joystick in terms of like kind of flicking across it you know like versus i don't really think that's that there's pros and cons to both so i don't necessarily yeah. know that they're exactly the same but like but yeah, I mean, at at the very least, I view the knuckle prototype controller as being as as allowing like so. I'm, I was trying to think of what I thought about the Oculus Touch controller versus uh, the current Vive ones because I think that some of that comparison will extend to the knuckles versus the the, the Vive ones as well because I think. Overall, I like the Oculus Touch better than the Vive Wands, but not because the Vive Wands aren't great. I think it's more because of the types of experiences that developers seem to be focused more on these days. So I think anytime that you want more hand presence, I think the Oculus Touch controller and by extension the Knuckle controllers do a much better job than the Vive Wands. But then in games that focus less on hand presence and more on, on I guess, like the tools themselves, be it like a tennis racket or a baseball bat or, yeah. you know, those kind of things. I or think, a sword or something like that. Yeah, that, yeah or a sword. Those games, I think, do better with the wand because you're not worried about the player's hand so much. It, instead, you're worried more about the object and tracking the object because if you're... If you're if you're developing for a controller like the Oculus Touch, you're starting out with the hand as what's being tracked, and then you're extending whatever the object is off of that. And so I think that there's somewhat of a disconnect in terms of like like e even though it's 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 done really really well in most games, anything that extends an object too far out from the device that's being held. I mean, to some extent, you feel that weightlessness, that kind of feeling that you get because it's, you know, a virtual object. It's not really what you're holding, right? And and I think for some of those types of things, like a like a tennis racket, for example, having the Vive wand helps that situation a little bit more because at least you have some of that weight extending from where your hand is. Um, versus when you have like a controller that just feels more like your hand. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to find the best way to really explain it, but, but I mean, I think that's essentially, and, and the reason why I think things probably, at least in the short term are moving more towards the, the, the hand presence, Oculus touch knuckles type model is just because we do have so many games that are, are shooters where, you know, most guns are pretty small. Like a lot of the objects in these games aren't really large extended objects. 
And for those types of things, I feel like it makes more sense to have more of the hand presence because then you feel that physicality, like you feel like you're holding something more. Um, yeah. Even if the object, even if the object itself, like the weight of that object isn't there, I think the weight wouldn't be significant enough to where that's really the primary factor in feeling like it's accurate. Like I think in those situations, having increased hand presence makes a bigger difference to to feeling like you're holding something than the extra weight of the wand, for example, would w- makes in in other titles. You know, yeah. like in some well, titles, okay. having that extra weight helps more. And I, I don't know. So no, no. So, I mean that 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 makes sense. I, like I said, I think, and I think a lot of it is just really going to depend on the type of experience that you're going for. Um, yeah. And so, like, I, I mean, I don't know that we're there at that point where there's going to be like that perfect controller uh, mm-hmm. that kind of captures your, you know, is ideal for every experience. But what I, what I do like is the fact that um, I, I feel like as though the wands accomplish everything that I need them to. And, you know, if the knuckle controllers uh, kind of add that, or, you know, if they provide like an added nuance, um, mm-hmm. you know, that then only the better right now. Everything the, is functional. The, yeah. and I love it, but you know, obviously the, the one thing I, the one thing I'll say is that, I mean, to me, it looks like the knuckle controller is like an evolution and in a more advanced version of what is possible with the Oculus Touch controller. And that I was a little bit disappointed when I tried the Oculus Touch for the first time because I thought there was going to be more finger fidelity there. Like they kind of hyped it up a little bit where, oh, yeah, I can sense your, you know, where your fingers are placed and all that sort of thing. And, and you get, you can do gestures and that kind of thing with the Oculus Touch. But it really doesn't, like, like I've explained in, in, previous, uh, in previous episodes, it doesn't really fully track what your finger's doing. It just can kind of sense if your finger is pushed on the controller or if it's touching the controller or if it's not. Yeah. So, but, but it looks like the knuckle controllers have a lot more precision in that regard. Like you can actually granular, granularly move your finger more, and it actually like picks up on on more of that movement from what I'm seeing in the videos. Yeah. So, so well, here, let, let me ask you this. And so just to clarify for people who might not be familiar with the knuckle controllers, the, these are coming out from steam. They're not from HTC or from, from valve. I'm sorry, from valve. From valve. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, they're coming out from valve. They will be <laughs> compatible with steam VR. So you will be able to use them with the HTC vibe headset. And I, I would assume that, you know, they're obviously going to be, a, um, compatible with the LG headset coming out soon and any other, any other, uh, headset that comes out that is compatible with steam VR. Um, but the tracking is in there. My question for you is obviously depends on the price, obviously depends on the reviews. Is this something that you're interested in getting to upgrade your experience? Um, and is I this something that you're excited am, about? Uh, yeah. So for me, definitely, because right now I'll just be completely honest. The only reason why I sometimes would, would like certain games to play. Like I sometimes prefer to play with the Oculus over the, the only reason that would ever be the case is because some titles might feel better with using the Oculus Touch controllers. That's really the only reason. Because otherwise, in every in every way possible, whether it be the tracking or for me even the headset, I really prefer my Vive quite a bit more. So for me, I mean, if the knuckle controllers are integrated well, I feel like that's enough of a reason for me really probably to to mostly drop the Oculus, except for exclusive titles that just aren't available. On the vibe, so that's so that's one thing. 
Gotcha. Um, okay. Well, I mean, the, that, the and other, that's, yeah. that's a good, that's a good perspective yeah. on it too. The, the other thing that I was just going to briefly mention is that when you mentioned, when, when you talked about, you know, the, the knuckle controllers being released by valve and how they're going to be integrated into steam VR, et cetera, et cetera. It made me wonder if long-term, if that's going to have an effect on the direct, uh, I guess, development efforts that are put forward uh, for making the wands compatible. And, and, and I mean, short term, I feel like there's no comparison. I still think more people out there are going to have the wands than the knuckle controllers for quite a while, right? I mean, everybody has, anyone that has a Vive right now has the wand controllers. And the Vive is really the only, or the main Steam VR headset that anyone's going to be using when playing these games, right? But eventually, like let's say a year from now, two years from now, after, you know, let's say the, the knuckle controllers have been out for a while and people do like those more than the wands or whatnot. I, I'm just curious as to if that's going to further fragment developers' efforts in terms of like the, the wand controllers will be the most different devices when compared to looking at the Oculus Touch controllers and the knuckle controllers. And so I just wonder, like right now, I would say that in Vive games, you know, the ones, I, I'd have to I'd have to really mess around with, I have not played with my Oculus Touch controllers in Steam VR titles as much as I um, would like, just because I do prefer the Vive in those games. So I'm just kind of curious as to what, you know, releasing another peripheral that would be compatible with the Vive might possibly do to long-term support of, of the older controllers. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, what happens when, when Vive 2 comes out, uh, you know, is that that's obviously going to come out, at least um, our assumption right now is that it would come out with a brand new set of controllers, right? Uh, something, yeah. something that was new, revolutionary, and kind of redefined the experience. And again, that's probably at least a year, maybe two years away, uh, if we're following the life cycle that, that they've laid out. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's definitely going to fragment the community. It, it, there's an added burden on developers to be able to uh, just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just, just provide like that service for, for, you know, all the different types of peripherals that are out there. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I, I, I don't know. And, and I bet, I bet it would also depend on how, like, there's a good question. I don't know how available they'll be. Like, even if Valve releases them, I don't know what their manufacturing processes are like. Like I actually, it, for some people out there, like prior to getting a Vive, I actually have a Steam controller. I was going to ask you about that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like I, because it, it was the first implementation of the pads, the, the track pads that are on the Vive, the Vive ones, for example. And it, and I I didn't really have too great of an experience with the Steam controller, to be honest. Not because it's not. It, it does what it needs to do pretty well. It's just for me, I, I really got it for playing games that didn't support uh, like, you know, 360 or Xbox One controllers. Because uh, I use, I play my PC games on a TV and I don't really have a great place to put a keyboard and mouse. So I, I purchased it for those types of games thinking, you know, games that didn't support controllers. It was kind of pitched as, oh, this is a way that you can kind of convert a lot of those games to being able to be played on your couch. And for me, it, it's kind of hit or miss, whatever. But the reason I bring that up is because that was one of the first attempts, if not the first attempt, I think at Valve really manufacturing like a big product like that. Um, 
And it was pretty easy for me to get one, but I also don't know if the demand was as high as it seems like something like a knuckle controller. Like, I mean, if there's any indication on, you know, like the premium headsets, for example, on the Vive, um, once something like that gets released, um, even though we're talking about a relatively small, uh, you know, user base, it's still in the hundreds of thousands of people that could potentially all at once be clamoring for, you know, the latest and greatest controller that's released. And, and I just wonder how easy it's going to be for people to get them. And that could be a big factor in, in, in how well it's supported. If Valve does a great job of being able to supply um, the demand for a knuckle controller and people want it, then I could see kind of like what you, what you see with shifts in games um, where people move from one online multiplayer game to another and wholesale uh, in the, in the Vive community. I could yeah. kind of see that potentially high. Like if a, if a knuckle controller was cheap enough, let's say, you know, under a hundred dollars, probably the closer to $50, the better, but let's say, let's say, I mean, I guess if it's a hundred bucks, then, then it, it'll still be kind of, I mean, that might price some people out, but I'm just saying I, I could definitely see if it's a big enough of an improvement where everyone's going to want to get these. And so it'll just depend on whether, whether, you know, there's only like, you know, a few thousand people that are able to get their, their hands on them in a short amount of time, or if it's significantly more than that. And if it's significantly more than that, I can see a lot of people picking them up on day one and, and kind of the whole, you know, the whole development cycle shifting a little bit, but yeah. Well, I think, I think a great point that you brought up is, is the steam controller. And I mean, it's not just you, but I think other people had, you know, mediocre experiences with it. And therefore it doesn't necessarily inspire confidence in the hardware releases for valve. Uh, obviously yeah. the software is a completely different side of things, but um, you know, at the end of the day, like we're still in early adoption phase. So people are just excited to see something cool and shiny and that will enhance the experience. Um, so I, I think it, they, it'll be interesting to see how they gauge the demand and how mm -hmm. that affects how much supply they have initially. Because the thing is, if it's one of those things where it comes out, there's a huge demand for it, and people are clamoring, and they don't have the supply, and it becomes this big issue where people don't get it for months, uh, even though they pre-ordered, or even whatever the case might be. Uh, well, mm -hmm. hopefully not pre-ordered, but if you know people just want it. I, I mean, that gives, like, that time, or that loss of time, gives competitors... And, and I hate to put HCC and, and Valve and pit them against one another, but like it does give give competitors time to get their product to market. Um, mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if they have something more advanced, more spectacular, something even better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. So, I, I, and again, we'll we'll see how how this plays out. Obviously, like you know, the the relationship between Valve and and HCC. Uh, well, nobody knows except for them, but it still seems seems good. But you know, with the with the uh, introduction of Viveport and now these knuckle controllers, you know, at the end of the day, Valve is its own company. HCC is its own company. I'm just wondering where where this will go or what it'll look like in even even just a couple of years. Maybe you know, well, let's go with five years just just uh, to give some time for for Generation Two, maybe even Generation Three to come out. But there, the landscape I feel like is going to be vastly different depending on how successful these knuckles are. I mean, we know that there's going to be a vibe too at some point, uh, and then mm -hmm. we'll see how things like LG play out. Yeah, no, I agree. 
So cool. Okay, well, we're we're just getting lost in these new t- news topics, but <laughs> it's it's fine, man. We have you and I just haven't had a a chance to sit down and really chat this stuff out. So this is always great. Yeah, <laughs> and these are big announcements too. So okay, so let's uh, the next one. We're just gonna quickly run through. Uh, two games that we want to highlight. We haven't had a chance to try them yet. Uh, the first is Front Defense, which is a game um, by Vive Studio. So it's another first-party title for the Vive. Um, and it looks good. I've heard mixed reviews. I don't want to give any thoughts or opinions until I myself have tried it. I just do want to announce that it is out there. Um, I know uh, you know, there's there's a lot of expectations, a lot of hype for for Vive uh, Studio titles for first party titles. So it's great to see that they're coming out with content. I, I hope that it's much more frequent and uh, that they're obviously better reviewed. But uh, that's actually the the next game or one of the next games on my list that I'm hoping to grab and and give some thoughts on in a future game talk. But just want to mention that that is out. Uh, the other one, Ronnie, you brought to my attention, and I also saw some headlines for it. But it's Blocks by Google, and uh, I mean, if you've tried. Tiltbrush or Google Earth, I mean, you know that Google doesn't mess around. They put out some fantastic material, uh, fantastic software, and it's usually, or at least for a time, certain period of time, it's free. So, uh, I mean, right now, Blocks is free. I would definitely recommend grabbing it. Um, yep. I, have you heard anything else about it? No, I mean, I, I, it just came out a day or two ago. I, I did download it, so I have it here. I just haven't gotten a chance to open it back up open it up yet to check it out. I was going to probably do that shortly after we record here. Um, but yeah, I've heard some, some great things. It, it sounds like kind of a, sounds kind of like tilt brush and that it allows people to create things, uh, this time in 3d. And it sounds like, I, I don't know if you're able to export 3d models that you generate in blocks or not. Like those are all questions, um, that I'll better be able to ex- explain once I get a chance to load it up and read a little bit more on other people's people's experiences. But even though it's only been out a couple of days, I've seen some stuff that people have been able to create using it that just look mind blowing. So um, especially for people out there that are talented with this sort of thing, I, I think it's going to really open up some cool possibilities. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll touch back on that next week, hopefully with some more insight, but it's definitely something for those of you that are that are especially creative types with VR to go check out. Yeah, I mean it's it's always good to see the the relationship between uh, HTC and, and um, Google thriving. I mean, I think this is the third yep. title in a little over maybe fourteen months or so, uh, yep. fourteen fifteen months, and it's. I mean that's that's fantastic to me. That's exciting, and it's obviously another highly reviewed title. So uh, de- we'll definitely jump into it and, and give you our thoughts. Um, next news item will be. Uh, we just want to do a quick update on on the peripheral. So the the deluxe audio strap. Um, there was an issue that arose on Reddit, and obviously was covered in, in several different prominent uh, media sources. But the head strap coating, and you brought this to my attention, Ronnie. I so thankfully, I I mean, I've been using the Vive rather extensively. Um, you know, these last couple weeks after getting the deluxe audio strap. I thankfully haven't had an issue. I, I don't think you've had one either. Nope. But nope. we just wanted to and, highlight and, this. So, sorry, go ahead. And it, and it was, yeah, no, no, no. Like, I, I haven't had it either. I haven't had the issue happen to me. So so it, it sounds like it doesn't affect all units. It's in in some fact, kind it of sounds like there's quite a few people who aren't affected by it. And uh, it might just be mm-hmm. a select few. But, yeah, yeah, what were you saying? Yeah, no, it has to do with the coating on the foam. So it's literally, it only affects the foam 
on the back of the headset. And for some people out there, it sounds like it's some type of a manufacturing either defect or just a, you know, a result of, of one of the processes that were used at at least one of the manufacturing plants for the foam, but it, it comes off when, when water is applied to it. So for people that sweat a lot, um, it basically the coating started to come off on the foam and really like it was to the point where I've seen videos like it, as I, I learned about this from uh, a YouTuber tribal instincts is the guy's uh, YouTube handle uh, that's been doing vibe stuff really since the beginning as well. Um, and he kind of noticed that it was starting to happen with his premium head strap. And for him, at least short term, it wasn't a short term fix. It was a fix, but he found out that if he just scrubbed it all off with warm water, that he could get that coating off completely. And then it stopped coming off. Obviously that affected kind of how the foam felt. It was a little bit less, you know, soft to the touch as it had been before, but never, nevertheless, it at least wasn't coming off once he washed it all off. And that, that was, you know, he, it sounded like he, he, he pretty thoroughly washed it out. So it wasn't like a super easy process, but he was able to fix it. Um, yeah. I haven't had any issues like that. And, and like you, I've, I've played with mine a fair amount. Have I, have I tried to put mine underwater to see if I can get the foam to like the, the coating to come off? No, obviously not. Like I don't want that to happen to my phone. Yeah, yeah, no. So, so I'm not like pushing it, but it hasn't happened naturally, and I do sometimes sweat, you know, when I'm playing. So, so at least that's. But for those people out there, I mean, I since I haven't had the issue, I haven't had to go through the channels to see how it could be potentially resolved besides washing. Um, but it sounds like some people on Reddit have been have reached out to HTC and possibly gotten replacement foams. So that it, it does sound like that is an option. Don't don't quote me on that or anything. It's it's possible that it won't work for everyone. But 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 I know there was at least someone out there that had stated that he had both the original version of the foam and a newer version of the foam that doesn't exhibit that issue. Um, and and it is they do have slightly different feels to them. It actually sounds like the original version was a little bit better or higher quality, perhaps. The newer one is a little bit like cheaper feeling, maybe, but it doesn't exhibit that same. So yeah. maybe it was it was something that they were trying to do to give it a more premium, <laughs> no pun intended, feel, <laughs> and and you know maybe it just didn't work out. I don't know, but um, but that's something. I mean, it is it is worth pointing out. Like some of the people, uh, all of the original releases of the headset, like people really want this premium headset, and that's kind of similar to what we were talking about with the knuckle controllers early on, it sounds like when these products are released, especially given probably their limited uh, uh, manufacturing cycles, that they get sold out pretty quickly. So uh, at least most of the people that have experienced the issue um, don't think that it's serious enough to hold off on getting a premium head strap if you want one. Um, it's hard enough to get them as it is. So rather than waiting um, to ensure that you're going to get one with the newest uh, foam, it sounds like people are uh, people are are kind of encouraging others to just order it if you're interested, and then worry about it later. If it if it becomes an issue, you should should be able to get a replacement or address it. But yeah, it is well, it is something. So 
Well, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you off. But I mean, the no, thing no, is, no. like, this, yeah. this is this at the end of the day, this is a premium head strap that people are paying, you know, good money for. I, I would say, you know, HCC came out and did acknowledge that there is an issue and they are looking into it, at least, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in some previous statements by them. So if it's happening to you, yeah, you can run it under warm water, like Ronnie suggested from, from that YouTube video. But I, I just but you shouldn't have to. Yeah. But you shouldn't have to. Like, I mean, you you know, pe- I agree. Pe- people are paying for this premium offering, and so yeah, you know, I just hope that HTC would do the right thing. It sounds like they've done the right thing with certain folks, um, and li- like I said, I mean, they've addressed it. So uh, I, I would definitely say if it's happening to you and you're not sure what to do, I'm sure I'm sure you've probably looked into it already. But if it happens to you yeah. and you haven't heard of the issue yet. Uh, and this might be the first time you're hearing about it, then I would definitely say reach out to HCC. It, it'd be worth your while to at least let them know that you're going through that. And hopefully they'll, you know, I, we've, people have had their ups and downs with customer support. But, um, you know, I would assume that something like this, if you've invested the, the money into it, uh, they would at least try to help you out in some way. Yeah, I, no, I agree. And, and for those people that are on the fence about it, it's important that you know about this. So Exactly. So, I mean, that, that's why we wanted to make sure that we mentioned it as soon as we could. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if you're on the fence, this is an issue that could potentially make you enjoy it less, but at the same time, if you were really excited about it and just couldn't wait to, to get on the, on board with the next shipment, um, just, just know that, that, you know, it is something that can be fixed. It doesn't sound like it's like the biggest deal ever. So if you were already willing, like it, not if you were already willing, but if you were already dead set on getting it i wouldn't necessarily let this deter you unless yeah, I mean, you're it, it hasn't happened to everyone so i like yeah. I, again like this might just be uh I, my my theory and i'm not sure if they, there's any information that would come out and if htc would even release that info but it might have just been a bad batch i, I mean i i did come across some really interesting theories about the ph levels of people's sweat the type of product they use in their hair <laughs> Um, which uh, hey, all 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 of those could be valid, but you know the fact that it's happening to to only you know select few folks. Uh, I my thought process is that it might just be like a bad batch because uh, for the yeah. majority of folks, like it doesn't seem to be an issue. And again, it's, it's the Vive community is just such a small sample size that it's really tough to tell anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So, um, all right, cool. Last news item, and then we can finally jump into game talk. Um, this is something you you brought to my attention, Ronnie. It's called the Vive and Chill, and it's uh, an Indiegogo campaign to put these two little fans on top of your headset to cool <laughs> your head off. And I know the idea seems like so outlandish, so crazy, but uh, you know, we've—at least I've come across some some articles that have said that there were some positive reviews. Or, uh, I mean, the thing is, I I don't. Well, I don't. I don't really know. I'm. This is this is secondhand information that I'm getting and passing on to you. But yeah. um, you know, the concept look, it looks interesting. There's an Indiegogo campaign that is already, I think, almost ninety percent funded at at the time of this recording, uh, with about three weeks left. So there's still plenty of time, and it looks like hopefully this should be hitting their goal. But um, it's it's twenty bucks plus shipping and handling, which you know, for a mini accessory that could potentially enhance your experience by a lot, by allowing you not to sweat so much, uh, you know, 20 bucks isn't a bad investment, but what, I mean, this obviously caught your eye. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's funny cause it's the same guy that, you know, I, I first learned about this from a video from, from that, uh, tribal instincts YouTuber who had, who had gotten to try out like an early version of it. I mean, essentially it's, yeah, a couple of fans that you attach to your, to your vibe and it looks like it hooks up by a USB it kind of has a, uh, a, uh, like a, 
what's it? Oh, come on. I'm trying to think of the, the term, but um, like a cutoff, uh, like it, basically it lets you hook it into the USB port on the Vive headset. And then it has a breakout cable that you can then attach the USB uh, cable back to. So gotcha. it, so, so basically it doesn't add any cables like over to your computer or anything like that. It, it just hooks directly to the headset and gets powered that way. And it's just two little tiny fans that, you know, don't real. they're not like, it sounds like you can hear them a little bit. If you're using headphones, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but for those people that use like speakers or your TV or something like that, um, that, you know, know that you'll hear the little fans a little bit, but it doesn't sound like it's anything too obnoxious. But the idea is that it, you, you, they, the fans point to your forehead and it really significantly, it sounds like stops you from, from, from sweating all over, all over the headset. And so for people that have that problem, I think $20 is kind of a no brainer. It does look kind of silly to me. I mean, it's one of those things like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I feel like my Vive headset already kind of is starting to look like a monster with the, uh, with the premium head strap on it and all of that stuff. I can only imagine if you had like a TP cast and then these little, <laughs> like, like assuming you could have all these things, you're just going to start looking like a robot or I something. I mean, at some point they should just make but, a helmet, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, I, I, I won't lie when I say like there are times here in my Chicago apartment and the humidity isn't even that bad here where I've sweated and fogged up the lenses and stuff like that. And, Part of that might be because I, I use a different, uh, like I use like kind of like a leather mat, like face mask on it, the rather than the ones that came with it. But I mean, sometimes it's an issue for me. And if I was able to pay twenty bucks, and and all of a sudden not have any sweat or fogging issues on my headset, it would probably be worth it. So so and and it, and it sounds like right now, if you fund the Indiegogo campaign, um, you can get it for twenty bucks. When it eventually, if it you know, if it actually happens, um, when it eventually um, becomes a, a, con- a consumer product, it'll probably be more like thirty bucks or so. So you can get it a little bit cheaper now if you fund the Indiegogo campaign. We're not saying to do that because there's obviously risks involved with doing that. We don't know. I don't know anything about who about these people that are that are creating the product or anything like that. I just know that it sounds like from these early tests of the device that it does in fact help with sweat and it's not too obnoxious. So wanted to put it out there for people that might have that kind of problem. For me, it does sound like something I'm probably going to try to look into just because worst case scenario, it was 20 bucks. It's not that big of a deal. Um, if it, if it works really well, then it'll be a lifesaver. And if it, look stupid or is too loud or annoying or whatnot it was only 20 bucks you know yeah that's true that's kind of how i'm looking at it so but yeah just wanted to just thought it was interesting enough that we wanted to mention it for those of you that that might have problems with that issue for sure um well okay so i feel like that wraps up the news cycle uh, at least for this week um you ready to jump into game talk yeah, let's do it. So, okay, you and I each have a game that uh, we'd like to discuss, and I think there's uh, the Spider-Man game, which we both had a chance to play. Uh, it was a Homecoming, Spider-Man kind of mini demo that they released. Uh, I, I was thinking we can just go through that first. 
Sure. Yeah. I don't know if it was a demo, if it was just marketing, or like if yeah, they were working. marketing might might be the the better term for it. So, so here's the thing: this game lasts five, maybe ten minutes if you stretch it out. There's there's not much that you can do in the game, and I understand why. Like the the, <laughs> the bad the negative review rate is so high. Um, yep. But again, this thing is free, and it's just again to in my mind to give you a little teaser, a little taste of. Oh, the thing, and obviously do some marketing for the film, but um, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I, if it's free, I'm never gonna knock a game, right? I'm never gonna knock an experience. Like if they're offering it for free, then I, I just don't. I feel like a lot of it is, is unwarranted, and people are just not really going into it with the right mindset. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I thought it was cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, it obviously lasted way too short, and but to me, that signals like. Yes, there needs to be a Spider-Man game. Like we need to have one now. Uh, just being able to play through through the mini demo, like the little tutorial, what they what they kind of have you go through. And I'm not going to give away any spoilers, even though it's only a couple minutes long. But um, you know, just what they have you go through and being able to like shoot the web shooters, swing things like that. You know, like I, there needs to be a Spider-Man game. That's and yeah. I, and I would hope that you know either positive reviews from this and the negative reviews that say like it's way too short therefore I'm going to give it a negative review would actually be a positive thing for developers to say like okay well there's a demand for it you know what I mean yeah yeah no I mean yeah like you I I was underwhelmed I mean I I liked it in terms of like you know I I agree with you 100% in terms of I'm not going to be overly negative about it because it is free and I want to encourage uh, you know, development of properties like this. I the the things that kind of bummed me out a little bit was just that um, I didn't think all of the like web effects were that convincing. Like they look kind of silly sometimes. And I I really really like you. I think it opened my mind up to how cool it would be to be able to web sling and like traverse like an environment using web slinging mechanics, like with actual physics. Like I was again it. I mean, it's. I've done. I've. I've mentioned this before, but Richie's Plank Experience is just the perfect example yeah, of I, a game where it's a game I where, still put people into when they're coming for the vibe. Yeah, but like it. It just makes me. You know, it. It reminds me how cool it would be to be able to feel like I was a superhero, um, especially with like traversal mechanics. Since web slinging would be so cool, and there were a couple of things in this demo that had some of that potential like being able to i wasn't a huge fan of like you know the like there's some web grenades that you shoot out i thought those were kind of like a little bit of a bummer yeah and and some of the shoot but like being able to actually like shoot out a web and pull back objects yeah no, that, was, that was the, a cool part i did like that yeah it kind of reminded me of of the whip a little bit from uh from space pirate trainer but like but actually like more like a web like it it kind of felt like a little bit tighter and like, like that. That kind was of really stuff. the only thing that made me feel like Spider Man. But it was yeah. enough that I was like, yes, I I like exactly. this. Like there needs to be more of this in the game in a full and game. And I was, and when it when it when it gave me that option, like because it, it it's basically a tutorial, and it cycles you through different web modes. And one of the final ones is it lets you actually shoot out like the strand and be able to pull things and, and move with it a little bit. And I got super excited when, when I saw that that was going to be an option. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, this is what I was, I was waiting for. And I even tried to mess around with it a little bit, like, you know, 
grab objects with it, swing the objects, and then try to like re-grab it with another web and shoot it another way. It kind of worked a little bit, but like, but that was the thing that really. And then, and then, and then it told me to use it to move from one place to another. And I was like, all right, I'm super excited about this. Let's go. And then I felt like it just took the most safe, like, blah approach and just completely like blacked out the screen and didn't let you really move around with it much. And that was, that was when I was kind of like, ah, but then, then (laughs) not to give away too much of it, but it moves you to a really high location over the city. And I did again, I like in other games, I felt that kind of vertigo feeling of, Oh, Whoa, I'm really high. Like this could be really cool. And then it was pretty much over. And so, and so I, I saw a lot of potential with it. Like you, like I, 100% 100% think that someone needs to make a really good Spider-Man game. And they really need to, I think more so than just, you know, in this game, there, you know, there's some voiceover work and there's like, you know, high quality music from the film and that sort of thing. And those things do help. But I really think um, something that's really important here is just to get the, the, the feel of the mechanics right. And someone really needs to focus on what, would be fun about being Spider-Man and then really make sure that those mechanics feel right. And I, and I mean, if it isn't obvious already based on what I was saying before, I think that that's web slinging. And I think if you could make web slinging feel right in VR, that that in and of itself would be enough to sell a product. Like if you were, if you just made a generic New York type city and got a swinging mechanic to work properly, I think that in and of itself would be worth doing. So that's so that's kind of my spiel on that. And yeah, I, the demo's fine, whatever. Definitely go check it out because it's free. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there that I really, really, really hope that they get their act together and make like a really, really cool VR. And and we had mentioned it on a previous uh, episode before, but. I mean, Marvel is working on some stuff in VR, apparently, so hopefully that means that whatever it is that we're seeing in this demo is just like an early work in progress, and that you know, smart people are behind the scenes really working on the stuff that, that will make a big difference. So, But that's, that's the big thing, is focus on the right things. And, and the coolest part of VR is the feeling you get from actually doing stuff yourself. And I think web-slinging is the perfect example of that, something that'll be really tactile, and really, like, if you can make it feel right, I think those would be the coolest thing ever. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and so just to kind of put an exclamation point on what we were talking about earlier, because uh, I, I think you brought up a great point when you said it's marketing. It's not even a demo. It's really just marketing for the film. Like, that's it's mm-hmm. got it's got Spider-Man Homecoming all over it. Like, you know, thing, references from the movie all over the place. So I, I think instead of... Well, I think the the analogy that I'm trying to make here is that people are are taking this game and comparing it to other VR experiences out there, but you wouldn't do the same if they released this online simple game that you could do through a web browser. You wouldn't compare that to you yeah. know, a huge RPG on that you'd play on computer. Oh, you know what and I mean? This and is, that's that's really yeah. what this is. And 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 with that said, this is so much better and cooler than like some lame VR 360 video. Exactly. Which yeah. is, I, I feel like what most of these, so yeah, when, when put in the proper context, I actually think this was a really cool marketing thing. It was done quite a bit better than most of the VR marketing, uh, you know, software, I guess, 
you know, for better, for lack yeah. of a better term, okay. that's been out there before. So the the best example that I can give is like uh, uh, the Walking Dead. Like they have this like little ad- story adventure or choose your own adventure thing online. Um, that, that my cousin showed me. I haven't been keeping up, but that's besides the point. But she, yeah, she showed yeah. me this like choose your own adventure <laughs> game that you could play on the Walking Dead website. But again, like that's something that draws her in, and it's just like you don't compare that to like huge uh, platform games on on PC. Yeah. And so like we should really just be comparing like apples apples to apples in a sense, or green apples yep. to red apples, because it's just like would you you know yeah that's that stuff on the PC is cool, and obviously it's much more accessible to a wider range of people. But it's just like okay, if they're gonna put out some type of marketing hype, like yeah, I can play like a simple game on a computer, or I can jump in and be Spider Man for five minutes. You know what I mean? Yep. And, yep, and yep. like when I look at it that way, I'm just like, yeah, I want to jump in and be Spider-Man for a couple minutes. Yeah. And, and I think it worked. Like I, I was already planning on seeing the movie, but like hearing the soundtrack for the first time in that, in the demo and then kind of messing around with it a little bit. And yeah, it made me excited. Like I want to go see Spider-Man homecoming a little bit more now. So I guess marketing, uh, marketing, marketing efforts. Did its job, yeah. Well, you know, and again, it's just they're trying to stay front of mind, right? So another place where they can catch our attention uh, would be in the yep. Steam store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. Let's let's dive into the bigger ones now. Do you you want to go first or second? Um, yeah, I can go first real quick. So uh, the game that I that I wanted to talk about this week was Airtone, and it's a really it's a it's a it's a, a rhythm game, so like a music rhythm game uh, that's available right now in Steam. It is pricey. It's about thirty bucks. Um, my understanding is that there's quite a few tracks in the game, so it would be approximately a dollar per track. So let's assume around thirty tracks or so. I've only been able to unlock a few so far, and I don't know what's holding me back from unlocking the others. But I'm gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> but at any rate, um, it's a really cool game. Um, Again, it is a little pricey, but um, the un- the underlying mechanics are very solid. And it, it, I mean, for those who know nothing about it, just to warn you, especially if you're not into that sort of thing, it is very, very Japanese in terms of like it. I mean, it it has like an anime character that uh, guides you through the tutorial, which lasts too long and is too restrictive to be honest um but it like she like it has kind of this underlying kind of silly premise to it about some like anime girl robot that you know takes care of the world through music who knows like it it was kind of weird um and and by default it has english uh english uh dubs or like english voice work um, but you could change that to Japanese, and I, I actually think that I, I'll probably do that because the English uh, language option is a little bit even more silly, I think, than if it were to be in a different language that I didn't understand. But with all of that said, it does look really good. Like the it, it the overall polish on the product is very high. It it it's like the, all of the environments are very colorful and bright, and the best way I can describe the music selection is similar to like, like dance dance revolution or something like that. Like it's very like Japanese pop. It's not, I I do think all the tracks that I've listened to so far are in English, but like the, like I said, if you've ever played DDR dance dance revolution, you'd know the type of like electronic kind of high tempo 
you know, music that is on display here. It's really not completely my cup of tea, but for the type of gameplay that's here, it's kind of fast-paced, challenging, like, you know, you're basically doing hand formations, essentially, to match the rhythm of the songs to hit certain markers with the Vive controllers. And all that stuff is done really well, and it is really hard, especially if you play medium, or I can't even imagine what hard would be like, but it's very fast-paced, and it and it is fun. Like, it's, it is... And, and, and when you're playing the levels, um, as far as I can tell, there's really only one visualization, and it might change a bit here and there depending on the track that you're on. But that visualization is uh, really cool looking at first, especially. Like if there's one knock on this game that that I could that I feel like I should mention is just that it does get a little bit repetitive in the sense that a lot of the songs sound exactly the same, at least the ones that I've played so far. And again, that might just be me not being used to the type of music, but they all are very like high tempo, like happy, like cheery, kind of boom, boom, boom types of songs. And it would be nice to have some more variety on that front. And then likewise, all the visuals are very bright and colorful, and but it's it's a very similar tone throughout the game. And it would be nice to have like kind of varying themes that go from song to song. Um, but that said, like everything plays great it's a lot of fun um for those that are into dance dance revolution or uh, other rhythm games um it's certainly worth checking out and uh and yeah it's well, it's just how, a little expensive but that's how does that's it compare it. so how, how does it compare to audio shield or games like that because i know you, yeah because so, when, when audio it's shield first came out game. we said audio shield was like the vr version of dance dance revolution but it sounds like this might match it a little bit more like i'm just curious in terms of gameplay how that matches yeah up. Gameplay is more like Dance Dance Revolution in this game than Audio Shield. Like, Audio Shield is a rhythm game, but I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's the music selection or just the frenetic pace of the, I feel like this game is more designed as opposed to Audio Shield, where Audio Shield generates its uh, gameplay based on like some kind of an algorithm according to the music you select. So I feel like this is a little bit more precise in that regards. Like I feel like someone sat down with each of the songs that are selected here and really placed all of the all of the indicators that you have to hit very precisely um, to make it a specific degree of difficulty. So it's more even in that regard. And the music is just so much like the type of music you would find in a DDR game, for example. And it, and it felt like, it's more complicated gameplay-wise in the sense that in Audio Shield, you're just punching different colors, whereas here, um, you're kind of on a track. There, there's a track similar to... Um, I'm trying to think of... Because I, I haven't played all the rhythm games out there. I, I saw some people comparing it to Samba de Amigo, which is a game on the Dreamcast that kind of used maracas. Oh my gosh, this is I like, love that game. That's like, dude, that yeah. just took me back. Okay, I need to check this out. So, but I mean, it's a little, it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that comparison just because I haven't, like, you're not using maraca, but like, in a way, the Vive controllers kind of feel like they would be like a maraca or something. And some of these, like, hits that you have to, like, there's certain markers that come by that you have to, like, kind of punch with your controller a little bit. And then there's other ones that you have to punch and hit the trigger at the same time. And there's others that you have to, you know, punch, hit the trigger, and hold. 
And so it's it's just a little bit more involved in Audio Shield. And I feel like everything is so well designed that like it can be really challenging. Like I was only able to really progress when I left it on basic. If I put it on medium, it was really hard for me. And 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 again, why I think that DDR is a good analogy, I never got really great at those games, but I feel like the people that were really good at those games were the ones that treated it more like some kind of a, like a memory game, like not so much a memory game, but like there's certain types of hits in this game rhythmically where instead of thinking of it as I have to hit this thing, then hit this thing, then hit this thing, it's almost like it becomes an arm movement. Well, so it's, like, like, it's like muscle memory, right? Because I feel like exactly. that's, what, that's what DDR was. Exactly. It's, it's muscle memory. So like there are certain like combinations of markers in this game where if instead of thinking of it as a single hit, you think of it as I put my arms out at this specific moment and it'll hit both of those at the right time. Like that's kind of what some of this game does is like knowing where your arms should be in certain parts of the songs, like muscle memory rather than just hitting the markers. You know what I mean? Cause like yeah. in DDR, that's kind of like when people get good at it, it's more like they're just hopping back and forth and like not really thinking about, okay, I need my left foot here and my right foot here. And like, like they're just kind of doing it. Okay. And yeah. That, that makes more sense now the way you're explaining it. Yeah, so so that's why I say it's a little bit different than than a game like Audio Shield and even like like I personally think Thumper was kind of a little bit more my style in terms of a rhythm game because the music was kind of darker and like more intense and so I kind of like got into that a little bit more than this like kind of upbeat pop like bright colorful like but for some people that's exactly what they're going to want and this game I can't stress enough is super polished. Like as much as some of the anime trappings are a little silly, um, I mean they look really I mean, that, good. And that's just what the aesthetic for the game is. So that's what I'm saying exactly. And like if that's what you're looking for, I think it's done pretty well. So so that's so that's so that's Airtone, and I and I do think that for people that are into this sort of game, it could be potentially worth the price, assuming that like there are enough tracks because there's definitely a high degree of challenge. It's not easy, especially at the, the higher difficulties. How, and, how did you even hear about this game? Um, you know, I'm trying to think. I I think I was just kind of perusing through the Steam store and just happened to see it. And it has, I mean, it, it's very well reviewed. It came out in early June. Yeah, I did see it. Because the thing is, like, I hadn't heard about it since, un, until you mentioned it before we started recording. And I was looking at the Steam, uh, the Steam webpage uh, a little bit after that. And like, I mean, this, yeah, it's got... It's got some crazy reviews. It's not even in early access. They just released it. Yeah. No, that's what... And I, I'd be kind of curious. Like, I, I haven't done a lot of research on the game. I just kind of played it myself. But I'd be curious as to what the story is behind it. Because, again, like, I wouldn't be... I don't know who the developers are. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was, you know, developed in Japan. And it sounds like some of the people working on it... I mean based on my five minute like read of, of the steam store page um, there, it sounds like some of the people behind the game have experience in other rhythm games. So I, I wonder, I wonder if that experience is on some of those like DDR and other games, but uh, I don't know. So, but it's, but it's cool and it's worth, it's worth kind of taking a look at if, if you're interested in those type of games, go read the reviews and everything and, and see what you think. But yeah, it's, it's a good game. So, Cool. Okay. Well, um, 
that was one that was not even on my radar, but I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it might be the same for other people as well. Yep. All right. So my game, um, Star Trek Bridge Crew, it's obviously was. <laughs> no one will know what that game I, is. I want to say it's probably one of the one of the more hyped games in the in the past recent uh, months, or maybe even this year, 2017. <clears throat> um, I I don't I don't even know where to begin. <clears throat> I'm gonna start off and say that. I'm not, I'm not a, a Star Trek. Uh, well, here, I, so I don't even know what qualifies you to be like a, a Trekkie or a Star Trek fan. Like I, I've mm-hmm. watched the most recent three movies, uh, you know, the, the new trilogy that came out, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of those. But I never got into the sh- the, the TV shows, and again, I, I feel like that's more of a, like it was before my time type of thing. Um, yeah, but, I, I agree. So I, I'll start off saying this: the game is. Really, really cool. And if you're a Star Trek fan, it's going to blow your mind away. Just sitting in, you know, being able to sit on the bridge, um, being able to manipulate certain things and play as these characters that you've seen probably on screen or on television for who knows, like, you know, several decades at this point. The nostalgia factor of that is pretty awesome. I mean, we so we were talking about you know, the uh, Spider-Man and turning that into a game. And I feel like this is exactly what, <clears throat> this is exactly what we're talking about for people who are Star Trek fans. Because the moment you can sit in the captain's chair and you get to control a bunch of different things that it's actually quite overwhelming until you get a, a strong handle on the game. Um, it's it's really intense. And it's, and it's a part of that, like, I think the people who are going to get the most out of this game are going to be people that really enjoy or, you know, are fans of Star Trek. Um, So I'll start off saying that first off. Then I'll put a caveat and say, it's definitely one of the most complicated uh, games that has come out. But I'm saying that as a good thing because I think we need more games like this. I think people have been very, uh, we, we've gotten very used to these short demos uh, or, or shorter games, which which is fine and fantastic. Like I think there's there's going to be a place for that, and it's not that we need one or the other. But you know, a game like this that requires you to really sit down, and I think the tutorial takes like I, I mean maybe like 30 minutes just to get through the entire tutorial. Um, and again, like I said, that's not a bad thing, but I think like it really shows the depth of the game and how much there is for you to explore. Um, so start, starting off with that, I'll say that, it, you know, I, I, I'm trying to do a lot of this off memory. I did jump into the game in previous days, but a lot of my time was spent right after it was released uh, or right after it was released at the end of May. Uh, I, I will say that I, I know this this is so counterintuitive and maybe it's it's just a control freak in me, but I actually prefer to play the single player missions uh, a little bit more. <laughs> I, I prefer to play the single player just, just because like, you can play as a captain, you can play as other, you know, whatever, and then you kind of just have control over everything. Granted, I, you know, I... I how, how does that work? Like, because I know, I, I I mean, for me, for me too, I'm, I'm excited about having both options because I do like single-player experiences to be, you know, not have to necessarily work with others all the time. <laughs> well, um, I, so, so the thing is, like, I, I've played with others, and I, maybe it's just not... Uh, you know, I, I've spent a, a significant amount of time playing online, but maybe maybe I just haven't found the the right crew is really what it is. So um, if you end up getting the game, I think you, me, and Damon should should jump into a game sometime because I mean we all, we had a blast with Iron Wolf, so uh, I feel like so, something like this might be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, uh, so uh, it's 
I don't even know. I don't even know where, where to go with it from there. Like I, I, I enjoy the single player campaigns. Um, when you do that, and like let's say you play as the captain, right? Because there's there's four different positions. Um, I'm forgetting the names now, but you know one of them it manages the engines. One of them manages the the driving. Obviously, there's the captain, and there's a fourth one that I can't think off of the top of my head right now. But um, would it have to do with weapons? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> potentially. So I I spent most of my time when during the single player campaigns. I I spent that as the captain because. Then you have AI uh, that gets to play in all the other positions, and then you can ca- kind of just command them to do whatever you want them to do. Um, so again, like that, again, that comes down to like the, the maybe the control freak in me. Like when when you're playing in in multiplayer, you, you're really dependent on others doing their job. But I guess that that's also part of you know the appeal of the game is like it, it really needs to be like this multiplayer. Um, it, it's a true multiplayer game or something that needs uh, cooperation from everybody. Um, but, and the thing is like the, the positions are so specialized that you really need to be a master of your position in order to, uh, pull your weight. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to be liberal here and, and compare it to Iron Wolf, which is another game that, you know, you and I have played extensively. We even had Phil on the show, you know, and, and one of the big differences between this game and that game in terms of the multiplayer aspect is the simple fact that anybody could do anything in, in Iron Wolf. Um, you know, it's just like, hey, I, uh, you're, load- you're loading torpedoes. Okay, I'm going to go do this. Or, hey, maybe both of us should be loading torpedoes because there's two sides or something. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, th- like there's just a, a different type of fluidity that you don't have in Star Trek Bridge Crew. And I, I don't want to do a direct comparison because I think both games are, are really fantastic in their own right. Um, but I'm just highlighting that as a difference where in this, you need to be very specialized in what you do so that you can bring that and add value to your team when yeah, you're playing. Yeah, well, because... Because I was going to say, like, sometimes that flexibility is nice because it can save you from a failure that could otherwise be avoided. Like, I feel like in Lone Wolf, sometimes if someone is, like, just an example, if someone's down there and they're not pulling their weight, then someone can go and help them and then quickly go back to their position and essentially save the day. <laughs> Versus I could see in Star Trek Bridge Crew, if you have one very weak link on your team, anytime that becomes an issue, there's really nothing anyone else would be able to do. Yeah, and, and maybe that's jaded some of my experiences because, you know, I'll jump in and, and, and again, this was like in the beginning, so it was a learning experience and, you know, I'm not trying to, I, I wasn't a jerk about it or anything and, I, like, everybody was still super friendly but it's just like, you go into these games and, you know, it's it's not a hard mission but people were still really just figuring out how to play the game. So, you know, we're going through this and all of a sudden, like, you get attacked or you got to do something and, yeah, somebody else that doesn't really know how to play their position is on your, you know, part of your crew, and you have to try to kind of explain to them or or, or uh, give them directions. Or sometimes, you know, you fail the mission because because of that. Um, and again, like I said, I'm not trying to let that that. Uh, make me jaded about the game because I am excited to jump back into it now that I, I do have some more free time. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I, I see that the player base is still there and hopefully people will have been in this game for a while. And it's, it's not something like, you know, um, <laughs> you'll, you'll probably be the weak link. I, yeah, I'll, I'll be, the, I'll be, the, I'll be the weak link now. But what I, what I was saying is that like, because it's a cooperative effort, it's not going to be like these other games where uh, you have this, this huge learning curve and the people at the, at the top just dominate after a certain while, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about like these shooters or, or rec room paintball or something like that. Like where, like now it's just like, if there are people who are much more advanced than you, then they can actually help you uh, or they can, they can talk you through certain things because they've, they've done it before. Or, you know, you, yeah. your captain would actually be the most experienced on your team. And you, you know what I mean? Like it, so I am excited yeah, to jump back into sense. it now. 
Um, uh, I'm sorry, in, into the multiplayer because I did do the single player pretty extensively. And man, th- there's there's a lot of gameplay. I mean, I, people are people are looking for a game that has you know a lot of depth to it, and I think that that this is definitely one of them. There's, there's quite a few missions that you can do, and the fact that you can play each mission. Uh, from the perspective of one of the different positions, like I said, I, I went through mainly as the captain just because, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just because I like having that control. And, you know, when you have the AI kind of doing exactly what you want them to do, or you could actually take over for them um, mid game and like, you know, just very briefly do whatever you need to do. Um, it, you know, it's just, it, it was one of those things. So now like, it might be fun to go back through and really become specialized in one of these other positions, because obviously I'm not going to be the captain in every multiplayer game. So I, I want to be able to go through and, and become highly proficient in all of the other areas of the game. No, that may, what, so can, describe what a mission is like to those out there that haven't played the game yet. Because like for me, obviously I know that you're, you're basically, you know, piloting or I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're. The bridge crew of of the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really know. I don't really know specifically like what a mission feels like from beginning to end, and and what types of situations you might find yourself in. Well, okay, so they vary from like one one mission to the next, and I, I don't want to give away too many or, or barely any spoilers because I think that there's a lot of value sure. in playing those missions. Um, but I mean, it'll be something like a, a rescue mission. Obviously, there's there's quite a bit of combat that you could engage in as well, um, and the th- so. Each mission will have uh, some sort of like predefined narrative that you need to go through. So it's not like it's not this like free form thing where you can just kind of explore the you know the the galaxy or wherever it is that you are. Um, yeah, I mean there's there's certain amounts that you can kind of go about and and just like check out different areas and you know obviously the scenery in space is is beautiful and I think that's actually really well done. Um, but I would say, I would say that, you know, majority of these missions has you following a certain narrative. You'll go through, you'll, uh, you know, investigate a certain area that'll give you a clue to send you to another, another area. Then you'll get into a, a situation where you have to like rescue folks off a ship or you'll have to destroy another ship or get into a battle and fight. Um, it, it really is all over the place. And I think that adds a nice element to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially, the, the the basic gist of it you, you're still at the end of the day following this this primary narrative through each mission um okay. and and you know to be to be completely fair it does get a little repetitive sometimes um uh, and the thing is like when you send your ship to go from like point a to point b uh it, it can actually take some time because your sh- your ship is traveling and then you're kind of just standing around on the bridge and and maybe maybe this is where that multiplayer comes in handy because it's just like okay now you're you're like literally in transit you're on like a space road trip and so you're just kind of you know <laughs> you can use that time to talk with the folks that you have uh, w- which I've done because it's just like oh hey so you know what con- what or what platform are you on or hey how are you enjoying this game or are any other games that you're playing or you know what's your experience been what you, you know like those are the times yeah. when you can really get into some fun banter because like. It'll tell you like okay when you when you're gonna go from like destination A to B, especially if you're not like doing the hyperspace travel um, and you're just going from like one side of the map to the other. Like it'll take you a good thirty to forty five seconds, and then you're kind of just watching out the screen and looking around the room, um, which which looks fantastic and it really gives you that sense of presence. Um, the only other thing that I'll say is that for this game, okay, so my my biggest knock on the game. Um, and, and I, and it's, it's a big one because the, of the perspective that you and I have, and the fact that this is a vibe centric podcast mm-hmm. it is the simple fact that it is not room scale. Uh, 
uh, you're in a gigantic room and you get to be in, you know, the one of these ships, but you can't go around and explore. You can't even walk mm. around because you literally have to be in your chair the entire time. If you if you were to sit down or to move your head away, uh, even just I want to say a distance of like two feet, maybe two and a half to three feet max uh, from like where your head is supposed to be, then the screen goes black and it says, please return to your original position. So uh. that's that's really immersion breaking for me. Um, and again, like I said, it's a fantastic game, but it's it's something that I feel like was designed to to just hit the minimum specs for something like Oculus and PlayStation VR. Because I I think you can look back, but not you know that's probably only on the five. If you look back on the Oculus or PlayStation, it'll probably tell you to look forward again. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'd be curious to see what people's experiences are like. But you know, with this, it's just like you kind of just stand around. You're standing still the entire time, or I guess you could get like a high chair and, or calibrate to to sit on something. But um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm standing the entire time. I don't really get to explore. Yeah, I get to use my hands and like mess around with all the, the different buttons that are on my chair that, you know, I'm sitting on. But for the most part, like I said, it's just, it it took away, like it doesn't offer that room scale experience that I think really sets the vibe apart. Um, everything else about it is fantastic. You know, especially the fact that it's mo- it's cross-platform with PSVR is you, you get this this huge player base and there's always people that are down to play, which is a nice thing. And, and I feel like, you know, we've seen multiplayer games die because they lose their player base. People go on to the next new, new and hot game out there. So I feel like this, you know, Star Trek, the fact that it is cross-platform, especially with PSVR, which which is obviously the, the top-selling unit right now, um, there's going to be that player base and hopefully that'll stick around for a while. Um, but you know, as a Vive owner, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, like this is it, you know, like there's not, there's not much else I can do with it. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's, that's a good point. And I, I feel like that will bother Vive Vive owners more than it will bother other people just because they won't have that same expectation. Like, like I, that's something that I've noticed in a lot of the Oculus titles I've played because I'm so used to playing in my vibe that when I do have run into those types of limitations, it's especially game breaking for me just because I'm used to not having to worry about those sort of things. And then all of a sudden you kind of, you're probably worried a little bit about making sure not to step out of the boundaries or sticking by, like you feel like you're artificially kind of stuck in that position. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, like I, 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 I want that to be, um, you know, a negative for the game, but for the right reasons. I, you know, I think the yeah. game is still very much worthwhile and it's still a cool game to have. I, you know, even if you're not a Star Trek fan, I think that there's a lot that you can get just from it's, it's one, obviously one of the top multiplayer games out there right now as well. So, you know, I, I just, but I, I do want to say. How quick was it for you to, I know there's like a, especially with the cross platform support, there are a decent amount of people playing, but like, how long does it take if you want to start a multiplayer mission? For you, for it to actually connect you with enough players. Um. So again, I was playing. You know, uh, during maybe right the, when it, yeah, the right when it came out. So I, I want to say what, just yeah. just a couple minutes before we we'd have enough, if even that. Uh, I'd be curious okay. to see what it's like now, but um, yeah. you know, I would assume like I, I was just uh, checking the the player base and and how much is still in there. So I I'll I'll jump in and maybe try to give like a recap now that we're maybe you know a little bit over a month or a month and a half. Yeah, out. and I. And I'm going to need to pick it up too, so maybe that'd be a good opportunity for us to all play together and so, and that sort of thing too. Um, but yeah, so I you know I, I enjoy the game. I think that it is uh, de- definitely a, a cool title and and one that's 
I don't want to, and and here and here's where where I I don't want to be like overly negative about this game. Like I don't know that it really pushed the boundaries for the Vive, and and you know we've just seen other games really do some fantastic things uh, to to make use of VR and room scale. It, this game didn't do it for me. Is it a great game? Yes, but that's really because of how how deep the game is and how much you can play in terms of multiplayer. Um, and you know how different every experience will be, but as a as a VR game or one that I was had high hopes for for within VR and what it could do, uh, I, I don't feel like it delivered on being a game that could really push the limits of of VR for the Vive. Maybe for other platforms because you know at the end of the day, just being able to sit into a room like you know for the first half of last year or for the for most of last year, Oculus users didn't have a touch like they would just be sitting stationary somewhere or like they'd have to use a controller. Um, so this this might be more natural for them. And I'm I'm not trying to bash. I'm just saying like no, the, the game I, might I have agree. been. You know what I mean? Like it, it was yeah, it was maybe designed with, with that with that in mind. Where it's like how, whenever this game was started to be developed, like they didn't really think about the implications and the potential of room scale and what that offered for Vive owners. And you know mm-hmm. now I guess Oculus to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, Vive still wins when it comes to to room scale. And it's just it doesn't make use of that. Uh, where where other games really you know even some of these quote unquote tech demos make better use of room scale. So yeah, I mean that's that's something that I've noticed too. I mean just in terms of a lot of the other games designed more for Oculus or games that are uh, designed with multi-platform in mind from the very beginning is that they may be more limited in terms of you know the amount of space that they that they are expecting. And I mean I would prefer developers to leave it more open-ended to where if you have that capability of room scale that you can just move around a little bit more and not be so limiting in terms of blurring out you know the 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 image and all of that stuff to force people back into a position but i can also understand um why they might want to do that in situations where if they think a lot of users are going to have those other platforms and that when they get out of a certain area that it's just going to disconnect and be super uncomfortable and freak out their display. Like, you know, like for Vive owners, it's really frustrating when it fades, but maybe it's more frustrating for an Oculus owner or a PlayStation VR owner to get out of their boundaries and then rather than have that fade, all of a sudden have a super jarring, like free paused image, weird effects, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Yeah, it'd be no, inter- I, I agree. It'd be interesting to talk to a developer that has to implement those type of features and ask them why they had to go that approach versus leaving it open for, you know, Vive owners and others that could just, you know, be able to move around more freely. Well, I, I'd be the, curious. The, the thing is, like, ultimately, when you go cross-platform, uh, you're only as, as strong as your weakest link, right? And so, yeah, it, like, at the, at the end of the day, like, in terms of room scale, Vive is is at the top, and you know between PSVR and and Oculus, like you have to go with with whatever is going to be the most comfortable for that, and then everybody else is going to be on that standard. Yeah, I agree. So, and and yep. I mean, you know, it's it's the price of going multi-platform. So, I, like yep, I said, yep. I don't I don't want it to I don't want that to knock the game because as a game, if you just take it for what the experience is, 
it's fantastic. Like it's it's a great game, and there's obviously a reason for all those positive reviews. There's a reason that a bunch of people are playing it, and that it's so high. You know, it's been so well received. But you know, in terms of like a VR game and something that uh, you know I'm excited for, especially when we talk about like you know we were talking about Fallout Four earlier and some of the other major titles that have come out. Like it it didn't check those boxes for me. Um, and so yeah, I, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that and highlighted that as as a, as a Vive owner and reviewing this from a Vive perspective. No, I yeah, point well taken. And I think that just kind of, you know, further emphasizes that VR can be different for different people. I mean, for some people, they want more of a stationary experience. I think for a lot of Vive owners, we've grown accustomed to and are expecting, you know, a different experience than that. So, so I don't know if that makes it easier or harder for developers to kind of meet those expectations. But I like, for better or worse... I like space and I like movement in my VR experiences. So, <laughs> oh, I think there's there's going to be quite a few Vive owners out there who'll agree with you. So, <laughs> cool, man. Well, this was this was a fun episode. This might be one of our longest ones so far. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot to talk about and uh, a lot to kind of you know there were a lot of things we didn't even touch on, like the the, the new UI changes to uh, Steam VR, like with the the new kind of home environment and all that sort of stuff. I'm I'm sure we can talk about more later, but yeah, there's yeah, there's we'll, just been a lot going on, and it was a lot of fun, and and I think there's a lot of cool titles coming out now and and in the near future. So agreed. Well, guys, if you've been listening all the way through to the end at this point, want to thank you again for tuning in. Uh, we are back. Hope you hope you guys are enjoying your summer too, just as much as we are. Uh, wherever you guys are in the world, I know we have uh, thankfully people from from all over the world tuning in. So hope hope you guys are having fun. Hope you guys are enjoying your Vive experiences. Uh, if there's stuff that came up that we didn't cover that you think is worth covering, or games that uh, you know, I mean, Ronnie obviously is discovering some some really like super indie titles. But if there's games that you think uh, are worth us mentioning that you've tried and are, are those hidden gems, definitely uh, definitely reach out, hit us up, let us know. And uh, just lastly, another reminder that uh, we're giving away that Steam gift card. So all you got to do leave a review on iTunes and for everybody who has so far you know we really do appreciate it it's helped us grow this podcast it's helped us had you know guests that we just didn't even didn't even expect I mean my, my mind is still blown from the fact that you know we had we had Daniel O'Brien on the show and, and that was such a fun conversation with him and so we, we'd love to get uh, higher profile people in here we'd love to get uh, other developers in here and, and again like that offers us a chance to give uh, free Steam keys because a lot of these developers are, have been very generous and they want to get their games out there so you know uh, leaving a review leads to that so hopefully helping us helps you guys too uh, and with that, Ronnie, I think uh, I think we'll cut it here. Sounds good to me. So it was it was fun, and uh, we'll see you guys all back soon. Cool, man. Take care.